Just like uh, the first service, um, I said that I don't think that it was an accident that pro presenter wasn't working because there's something that something beautiful that happens when you just put everything aside and just allow God to work in this space. So have you ever stepped out of your comfort zone or done something that felt risky or uncomfortable or maybe even downright scary? Well, I'm not demonstrating. I'm actually saying that I'm doing it right now. That's what I'm doing. So (laughs) me. So we're going to pray before we get started. So dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for the opportunity that we get to gather in this space to worship you. Father, as we open your word today, and as we dive in and we talk about Abram and Sarai, Father, that there's some of us that have heard this story so many times, That some of them could come up here and and do a better job of teaching it. And then there's some of us that have maybe heard a little bit or not at all. I pray, Father, as we dive in and look at your word, that there is a renewed sense of who you are and what you're doing in our lives. Father, that we leave this place today knowing that you love us, that you have a plan for us, and that you never leave us or forsake us. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for this time. And it's in your name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Okay, so my name is Cindy Tennant, and I get to be the kids director here at the Open Door. I am married to my husband, Clay, and in June, it'll be 20 years that we've been married. Yeah, thank you. Uh, We have four boys, um, Wyatt, who is in heaven. We have Eli, who's 17, Emmett is 15, and Eric is 13. And we have been a part of the Open Door Christian Church since the first day the doors were opened on the Church on the Pond. My son, Eric, was the first kid who was dedicated, and we kind of joke around that he was the first member of the open door. Um, I did have a picture, but I can't show you that picture, and they're not at the service, so I can't really embarrass them and tell them to stand up. But um, So all three of my boys at one time played hockey, and Eli went on to pursue his love of hunting and fishing and carping, and he does pretty well with it, um, or at least his, his room shows it. Um, and then Emmett is actually in his second year as a bantam, and next year he'll be playing hockey for high school. Um, and then there's Eric. Our sweet little Eric um, is a goalie on the hockey team. And for those of you who don't know who, who the goalie is or what he does, he's the crazy one that um, stands in between the puck and the net. So he has to stop the puck before it hits the net. Um, when he told us that he wanted to, to be the goalie, we did everything possible to try to talk him out of it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's expensive. Um, you have to wear a lot of pads. Um, 
What else did we say? Oh, you have to be the fastest skater on the team. Um, it's expensive. <laughs> oh, did I mention that it's expensive? So, so he, he was not budging. He said, this is what I want to do. And so here we are today. He's still doing it. Um, people were telling him that he was actually progressing pretty well in his second year as a squirt. And he was on track to be the A goalie. And he was pretty excited about that, maybe even gone to his head just a little bit. So the night of the tryouts, he goes and he's getting in the car. We're all getting in the car, my husband and I and Eric and Emmett. Emmett has a very dry sense of humor, first of all. Um, He gets that from his dad. He, He has this dry sense of humor. And I looked at Emmett and I said, Emmett. Do you have any words of encouragement for your brother before he goes to his tryouts? And Emmett just looks at him, dead face, don't make the C team. And that was all he said. So in in hockey, there's the A team, the B team, and the C team. And sometimes there's more than, than those, but that's the gist of it. And so Emmett pretty much told him, don't make the C team. And we all laughed because we thought it was funny at the time. And... Um, so the results come out, and what they do, they, so you go in on a Friday, the goalies do, they, they try out, and they have to wait all the way until Sunday night to find out if they made the team or not. And so there we are on Sunday, we're refreshing, we're refreshing our, on, our, on, on the webpage, those hockey parents out there, you know what, what I'm talking about, you refresh, 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 waiting for this, this uh, team to come out. So the teams come out. Emmett is elated. He is on the team that he wanted to be on. He's excited. He's with all of his friends. And then there is Emmett or Eric. I get my kids messed up all the time. Eric is devastated because he made the C team. Unexpected things happen. There's a famous saying that says, expect the unexpected. The Boy Scouts say, be prepared. Life happens, things change, and it's not always what we expect or even what we want. Whenever things, unexpected things happen, they don't really seem like part of the plan, do they? I'm sure Eric at the time was thinking, it's not supposed to be this way. All those people were telling me I was a shoe-in. What am I going to do now? And the big question, how am I supposed to go to school the next day and face my friends? But what if the unexpected things could be seen as part of the plan? What if the thing that you thought was so unexpected was exactly what needed to happen to get you to where you needed to go in the first place? And how does God equip you with what you need for what he is asking you to do? Good questions. So let's look to see what God's word says and how we can learn from someone in the Bible who had something unexpected happen to them too. So we'll be in the book of Genesis, and wow, does this story take a hard left turn. But to move forward in the story, we have to look back. 
And last week in Pastor Steve's message, we discovered that God created the world and everything within it. And God saw that it was good and pleasing. He had made paradise. Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden until they ate the fruit of the one tree they were instructed not to, and they disobeyed God. Sin entered the world, and people no longer had a perfect relationship with God or with each other. This sin that entered the world began to spread and work its way through everything. We see it in the quarreling of Adam and Eve's children, Cain and Abel. And this part of God's story we did not cover because it's not because it isn't important, but there's a lot of content. And we do encourage you to crack open your Bible and look back and study this. So like his father before him, Cain did not acknowledge his self-centeredness and he got angry rather than coming to God to apologize and repent. His anger carried him all the way to the point of murdering Abel out in a field. And again, God pronounced judgment. And Cain is sent out into the world to wander, wander, but he is allowed to have a family. And God allowed this family to grow despite all the violence and disobedience. Tribes and cities began to fill the earth, but sadly, things did not get better. People just, just looked out for themselves rather than loving God or loving each other. And for, from here, the Bible tells us about Noah and the condition of the people of the world who had chosen to be far from God and living in their sin. The earth had become so corrupt that it needed a reset God could have ended everything right there but God he still loved the people and wanted to give them a chance through Noah's family even after this fresh new start people continued to turn away from God trying to make for themselves a name and again people chose the wrong path so what now as always God has a plan, a plan to show mankind just how much he loves them and how committed he still is to the world and to the people he has made. And that plan started with a guy named Abram. So we'll be in Genesis 12, 1 through 8 and 15, 1 through 6. So let's go. So Genesis 12, 1, the Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. That's it. No introduction. Just go. Leave everything you know, your homeland, your comfort, your security, your safety. And remember back then, they didn't have police officers. They didn't have those fancy home security systems that we have nowadays. They depended on each other the members of their tribe to protect them and to carry out justice if they needed it. What God was asking Abram to do is to leave it all behind. God will never ask you to do something that he has not prepared you for. He will not call you to go where he has not been or is. But look at how Abram responded. 
in Genesis 12, verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. Just like that, he obeyed and he went. But why did God ask Abram to leave? And this is what God was telling Abram if you go back up to verses 2 and 3. And it says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. God was putting Abram at the center of his plan to bless the world. God was working to bring the world back into a relationship with himself. And Abram was the beginning of it all. Genesis 12, 6 and 7. Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants or to your offspring. A little side note here. Um, the father of the Canaanites is Ham, Noah's son. Just make a quick little note to go back to chapter 9. Read, about, read why that's so important. So a couple of things in, the, in this um, passage here and some of the promises. Number one, that Abram was going to have kids. Two, the land is going to be his offspring. And three, Abram might not be the one to see it happen. It said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And it was true. It would be many years after. God told Abram that his family would be a great nation would be blessed and would and would bless the rest of the world. I don't know about you guys, but I hear a promise like that, and I think that it's going to be like instant. Like, here it is, because nowadays that's how we live. Everything is so instant. But that's not the way it happened for Abram. In Genesis 12, 7, the rest of 7 and 8 says, and, I, and Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. Church, are you catching the amazing part of this story that through it all, through the changes, through the decisions, through the altar plans, and leaving it all behind, Abram was still trusting God where he was leading him. Sometimes God has to move you from your current situation to give you a different vision, to get you to where you need to go. And sometimes you need to get a little uncomfortable. Some of you may be here today and you're looking at this is a new year with a new chance of new beginnings and you're feeling stuck. And I'm here to tell you that God has not counted you out. So don't count yourself out. As the years went by, God continued to bless Abram. 
And it wasn't all smooth sailing for him. It didn't always, he didn't always get it right. God continued to make it clear to Abram that he could trust God's plan. But in God's plan, there was just a little bit of a void. There were no kids. And God promised to bless Abram's children and their children in verse 7. And they were to be given a land promised to them. But Abram and his wife Sarai didn't have kids. Worse yet, Sarai was barren. And let's add a little bit more salt to the wound. Did you catch how old they were? They were getting up into their late 80s and 90s. But God, God never wavered. He came to Abram again and told him in Genesis 15, 1. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. I love how the ESV says it. It says, for I will be your shield. Amen. It has been quite some, some time, years in fact, since the initial moment when Abram had stepped out in faith. Still no child and still no family. And I'm sure that there were days when Abram wondered if he heard God correctly. He believed, in fact, that at his age, he would just die and everything would just be passed down to a servant. And the promise that God gave him would end just like that. But what Abram would slowly learn is that God is a promise keeper. Abram was becoming impatient. We become impatient. Ephesians 6.16 says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. God told Abram, I am your shield. Don't listen to the flaming arrows of doubt that say, I will not deliver on my promises. And God never wavered. He came to Abram again and told him in Genesis 15:4. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. In other words, Abram, don't worry. It won't all go to a servant. A son will come. Yes, even for an old guy like you. God gave Abram the most remarkable visual burnt into his mind. In Genesis 15:5, then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, "Look up into the sky." And count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Have you ever done that? Have you ever gone outside at night and looked up at the stars and said, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try to count all the stars up in the sky. I'm going to start right here. Start counting. Have you guys ever done that? No? Just me? It's impossible. So that's how many descendants were coming to Abram. 
That was the future picture of this huge family and a huge promise that God was telling him. But Abram was so stuck in his reality. Abram was old. His wife was old. I pray that he did not tell his wife that, though. And they couldn't have kids. Yet God was telling him completely the opposite, to expect the unexpected, believe in the impossible. In Genesis 15:6, And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Abram believed God. Despite what the world was telling him, through those flaming arrows, Abram chose to hold his shield of faith up and trusted God. Abram had that kind of a relationship, a right relationship, that God was working to bring all people to him. Abram loved God that much, so much that he was willing to trust his plan even when it did not make any sense. The cool thing we can see today, right here in God's word, that his promise, that God's promise to Abram came true. And we get to be a part of that. So chapters 17 and 18 and 21, they are a very pivotal moment in God's plan. But for time's sake, I will give you just some highlights. And I would encourage you to read these chapters on your own. So Abram... And Sarai eventually did have a son. And before God got busy making the impossible possible, God changed a few things. And in chapter 17, first, he changed Abram and Sarai's names. So Abram's name meant the father of one. And he changed it to Abram, which means father of a multitude. He changed Sarai's name from Sarai, the barren one, to Sarah, which means the mother. God has placed a spirit within them, and only then would he fulfill his promise of a son. The second thing, God changed their minds and radically changed their faith. And in chapter 18:10, God gave a specific time of when this child would make an appearance. And it says, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. And God made good on his promise. They had their son Isaac in chapter 21, and Isaac means laughter. Sarah named her son Laughter because... That's what Abraham and Sarah did. That's how they responded to God's plan. Why did they they laugh? Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. They laughed because hope disappeared the day that God told them that it would happen. They were so consumed with their age and the years of trying that when hope appeared, it disappeared just like that. But God He revived that hope. And when he revives hope, it's always funny before it becomes a reality. 
They laugh because that is what you do when someone claims they can do what is clearly impossible. This gave Abraham and Sarah an opportunity to give him all the glory because there's no possible way this could be done on their own. So when God has a plan, nothing can get in the way of that plan. But the hard part is we may not always be able to understand it. Things get delayed And there may be what we think are detours or unexpected stops in the plan. And I'm sure Abram had moments when he wondered if he heard incorrectly or if he took a wrong turn somewhere. And in the end, God was leading Abraham right where he wanted him to be. Are you, church, where you need to be? Is God asking you for something bigger? God had a plan to show his love to the entire world, and all Abraham had to do was trust. Eventually, Jesus came from Abraham's family and completely blessed the world through the gift of his own life. So have you ever had an unexpected stop along the way? Or a time that caused you to wonder what God might be doing, or how he can use it. Have you suffered an injury, hit a rough patch, lost a loved one, and you feel like you can't move forward? Sometimes our plans don't go as planned, and sometimes we feel that they make no sense. I'm going to encourage you a couple things to do. Number one, trust God. Remember that God told Abram that he is his shield. God is your shield. He is a promise keeper. And if you read his word, you can confirm that for yourself. Number two, love God and show his love to others within your circumstances. Seek out counsel of, a, of another believer Listen to their testimony of when they trusted God. And is it possible that you ended up right where you are for that very reason? So Eric, what happened to Eric? He woke up the next day. Still a couple tears, but he held his head high, and he went to school the next day. And he faced all of his friends and all of their I'm sorry's. He congratulated his friends on making the A-team. And Eric went into his second year as a squirt with a new perspective. And this was his perspective. God has me on this team for a reason. He has equipped me with what I need to be in this season of my life. And I will trust his plan for me. And don't you know it? 
That squirt C team went on to win the season undefeated. His confidence in his God-given ability has grown since. And how, I don't understand. I don't understand how he stands in front of that puck going however fast it is. And the boy, I don't know how he does it. He didn't get that from me. He got it from the Lord. (laughs) So from Eric's unexpected plans, he has since learned that when you make Christ the center, his plan is always better. But if you leave him out, it will always end in disaster. So when Abraham and Sarah put their agendas aside and they stepped out of their comfort zone and allowed God to move, they learned that with God, all things expected or not worked into his plan to show the world his love for them. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word today. We thank you so much, Lord, that you have a plan for each and every one of us. And what a great privilege it is, Lord, that we are intertwined in this story that you are writing. Father, I pray, Lord, that as people leave today, Lord, that there was something that they gleaned out of this message. Lord, that if there are those that have lost hope, I pray that their hope has been revived because you are in this place and you have not left them nor forsaken them. I pray for those people who are on the fence on if you are real or not. And they haven't made that decision yet to follow you wholeheartedly. I pray, Father, that today would be the day that those flaming arrows that have been penetrating their life for so long have been distinct, disintegrated. And they are following you wholeheartedly. I pray that today is the day for them. Father, for those of, that have fallen away or backslidden, I pray, Lord, that today is the day that they make that decision to say enough is enough. You are my center. You are my focus. I call you to be the Lord of my life. I thank you so much for today, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we were able to gather today to hear your word. And we are excited to see what you're going to continue to do. We love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Um, Last thoughts. What a perfect time of the year to be challenged and encouraged. So what happens when the plans that you've made don't go according to plan? How do you respond when God interrupts your plans 
and takes you in a completely different direction. Do you ponder the plan? Do you question God? Do you wrestle with him? Or do you respond like Abraham and Sarah and laugh? Regardless of how you respond, I want to encourage you on a couple of things. Discover how, how to trust God. Remember that God is your shield. And show love to him and the people around you. And how do you do that? Read his word. Read his word. Pray and seek out a trusted believer, a brother and sister in Christ, and do not give up in meeting together. Just like Eric said, God has equipped me with what I need for this season in my life, and I will trust God's plan for me.